firm a foundation. How firm my foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. Fear not, he is with us, so be for he is our God, our sustainer and strength. He'll be our defender and cause us to stand upheld by his mercy for almighty Trusting in Jesus is Lord, we'll press on enduring the darkest of storms. And though even hell should endeavor to shake, he'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Good morning and welcome. I'm glad that uh, hopefully your phones switched over like ours did, and, and I don't know if you use a digital alarm clock or whatever, but uh, we're glad that you're here with us, and and uh, just want to encourage you guys to join in this morning as we uh, sing praises to our Heavenly Father to declare the truth of who He is, what He's done, what He's given us in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat>
Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? our chaos back into order who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory
Amen. What an amazing grace. Isn't that that God would send his son to take our place, to uh, take our sin upon him, to give us his righteousness, that we can stand uh, unashamed and fully clean before God the Father. Amen. Amen. This morning as we finish this, uh, this last song together, we're going to take our offering, and I just want to pray for that. Father, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have given us all that we need uh, for life and godliness through your word. You've given us uh, your righteousness through your son, Jesus. For all who believe in him and put their trust in him, God, we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, I pray that everything that we do in response is also in Christ Jesus uh, because it's his strength, it's his um, power that we live, that we move, that we breathe and have our being. And, uh, and Lord, I pray this morning that you would be glorified as we continue to lift you up and, uh, and, and follow you in obedience and worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You are light, 
you and we give you all the glory and honor and praise this morning. Thank you that you have called us, you have redeemed us, you have justified us uh, through your son, Jesus Christ, and in him, 
God, we, we praise you and we thank you for who you are and what you've done. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, good morning, uh, Crosspoint. We're thankful that you're with us this morning. The book of Acts in the Bible records the early church launching. And as I thought about that book and thought about the early church launching, I, and I thought about this morning, I think, man, we're having kind of an Acts sort of morning, if you will. We've already sung. We've given to the Lord in worship. Now we're going to celebrate with two cross pointers who are going public with their faith and getting baptized. After that, we're going to appoint and pray over and lay hands on a new elder to help shepherd and oversee God's church. Then we're going to open up God's word and allow it to shape us and transform us, encourage us. And then we're going to finish with praying for one another and, and singing and worshiping again. And, and while there's a variety of things there, as I look at the New Testament, look at the book of Acts, I go, yeah, this is what the New Testament church should be doing, not just on Sunday mornings, but as a way of life. Baptism illustrates our new life as a Christian. Romans 6, 4 says this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So baptism is a picture of what God has done for us, what Christ has done for us through the cross and through the resurrection that, that we've been buried. Our old ways have, have died. We put to bed our old ways of living and our, and our past and our sin, and that's been buried in Christ. And then in Christ, we've been raised to new life. We've been raised to a new purpose. A new, a new spirit has been put within us, a new heart, and a heart that seeks not to live for ourselves, but for righteousness, for the Lord, for His mission. Baptism itself, the, the water, the ceremony itself, it doesn't save. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says we are saved by faith, by the grace of God. We're saved through faith and not by works. So that Because if it was works, we would boast, we would brag. So it's not the work of baptism that saves us, but it is the work of God through the cross that saves us. And when we're baptized, we're following the example set by Jesus. Early on in his ministry, he got baptized in the Jordan River. Then at the end of his ministry, in the Great Commission, when he charges us, the church, with this commission, he says to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that's exactly what we get to do this morning, doing what Jesus has commissioned us to do. And today as a Crosspoint family, we get to celebrate with two people who are getting baptized, Shirley and Ryan. And for both of them, they're going to get baptized by loved ones and not by an elder, not by myself, or not by Eric. Because while our faith is personal, it is not private. It is a faith to be played out, to be lived out alongside the body of Christ, alongside other people, not in isolation, but with others. And so Shirley's going to get baptized by, <clears throat> by her daughter and uh, son-in-law. And two people that have played a significant role in her faith journey and her coming to faith in Christ. And Ryan's going to get baptized by his wife, who is his helpmate, his best friend. In a Christ-centered marriage, we are one flesh, no longer two, but one. And so this is a beautiful picture of that biblical reality as well as a beautiful picture of God's work in their marriage, that, of what he has begun and what he's faithful to complete, a work that is filled full of grace and forgiveness and strength and uh, abounding love, love and grace that was first found in Christ. And so here's Shirley. You want to come out, Shirley? <clears throat> Share a little bit of your story. I came to Cross Point about 
three years ago. Vince and Jamie brought me here. Just a moment. It was the beginning of my new life. One with Christ. <clears throat> I can't do this. Shirley asked me to take over if for some reason uh, she's a little too emotional to carry on. That's okay. Uh, where did you leave off? Oh. Almost three years, ago, three years ago, Vince and Jamie brought me here, and it was the beginning of my life. Beginning of my life. I've always believed in God, but never had enough faith uh, to open my heart and let him in. I know the exact moment I gave all to God. It was overwhelming and wonderful. I've never been so happy. God has a plan for me, and I cannot wait to find out what that plan is. I know that today will, will complete me. I need this baptism. I love my Lord and Savior and I know he is there for me. Amen. Shirley, Jamie, and I are so proud of you, uh, and we're grateful to have uh, walked this journey with you. Uh, it's because of your faith in Jesus Christ uh, and your desire to uh, express that publicly uh, to all these folks that we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next up is uh, Ryan Duffy. Good morning, guys. <laughs> um, Proverbs 13.10, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. <clears throat> I was raised in the church, baptized as a baby, attended most Sundays, I believed in Jesus for as long as I can remember and always believed I was saved. I can't say I had a relationship with him, though. It was, for the most part, an arm's-length relationship. I wanted him around, not too far away, but not too close either. So when I was about 17 and allowed secret sin into my life, I had a very real problem. I knew that what I was doing was wrong, but was too afraid of what would happen if anyone else found out. So I hid it. I allowed pride to start building a wall in my heart. I struggled with this sin for a long time, convinced that I had the strength to overcome it. I continued building the wall, stacking on bricks of sin and bricks of lies to hide the sin. 
I continued to pretend to be the person I wished I was without seeing the duplicity in my life. Then, in October of 2014, my sin was dragged into the light, and it broke everything. I was faced with all the guilt and shame of my choices, along with the hurt and pain it caused my wife. This sin that I could convince myself was only affecting me was now crashing down on her. I now realized how I was hurting myself, my wife, our relationship, and ultimately God. But in that brokenness, God was at work. He delivered me from that sin. He revealed how the wall I had built to hide the sin had also made it impossible for me to truly follow Jesus. He revealed how pretending to be someone that I wasn't made it impossible to have the marriage he wanted for me or to be the father I wanted to be. He showed me so much grace and love through his forgiveness and through my life that I've grown in grace and love. But I'm still far from done. It's taken me nearly 18 months to get here today. I was afraid to stand here in front of all of you to get baptized when for six years I've stood on stage leading you in worship. I let my pride and fear of man stand in the way of God receiving the glory for what he has done in my life. Fortunately, my wife was praying for this, and God is faithful and active. So here I am. I get to be a new creation, so I'm going to, give, so I'm going to live my life differently. I want to pursue Jesus and not just believe in him. I want to be generous where I was selfish. I want to be honest about my failures and quick to ask for forgiveness. I want to rely on God rather than my own strength. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christ, your Savior and the Lord of your life. pray. Um, Father God, we are <clears throat> we're grateful for uh, testimonies. We're grateful for um, the story that not only you've given us in Scripture, but the gospel story and how it changes us <clears throat> and how it is the power of God uh, for the work um, of you, for the salvation of all who would believe. And so we give you the glory and honor for the work that you're doing in Shirley's life and in Ryan's life and and we thank you for the opportunity we have to rejoice and celebrate in your goodness and rejoice and celebrate in your work. We give you the honor. <clears throat> we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Before Sun Chasers heads back to class, we want to have a few third graders, if you're in the house, to come up. Those would be Mason Brown, Matt Cooper, uh, Landon Martin, and Noah Willie. Any of you guys here? Noah is here. Mr. Martin's here. You guys want to come up? I think Mac is gone. You guys want to come up here? This is... Come here. Here. <clears throat> All right. 
See, it's not terrifying. Everyone lives when they step on stage. Isn't that awesome? Um, even I, I live too. Um, so these four guys, two of them here, um, took a challenge by their teachers uh, to read the book of John, read the Gospel of John during the month of February. Their teachers being Bix Bixler and Mike Bowles, those guys challenged them saying, hey, would you third graders read the Gospel of John? These guys, or two of them, but these four guys um, said yes to that. And so we just want to encourage them and celebrate with them this morning. So let's clap for them. And... It wasn't too bad, was it? He got clapped for. It was pretty cool. All right. Um, so we love to see how kids are saying yes to the things of Jesus. I'll release you now. Um, um, <laughs> there's far too much power up on the platform. Um, <clears throat> but we love to also see volunteers saying yes to, okay, we want to make disciples of Jesus. We're going to say yes to that through Sun Chasers, through investing into that next generation. So, um, all right, kiddos, you can head back to classes. couple things I want to share with you as they head back to class. Um, some uh, Crosspoint family news so you can be praying and be celebrating as well as um, a missions opportunity coming up in a couple weeks. First of all, uh, Chris Troyer had major back surgery this last week, so be praying for her as she recovers from that and the healing that's going to take place from that. And then also congratulations to Tanya Royer, who this past Friday, the uh, adoption of Joseph became official um, two years ago. She felt impressed upon the, uh, by the Lord to begin to foster children. And so Joseph came into her life, and now two years later, um, she has been able to adopt him. And so we just celebrate at God's goodness in that, that, that a boy um, has been able to find a home, a Christ-centered home, and a mom who seeks to uh, raise her children in the ways of God. So we celebrate with that and just rejoice at the picture of earthly adoption and how that is a picture of the spiritual adoption that we have in Christ, that once we were orphans, once we were without home, but now we've been brought near in Christ. And so God is good in that. Two weeks from yesterday, uh, two weeks from yesterday, there's an opportunity for you to say yes to a missions trip that you may not have thought about uh, up until now. Uh, we've had a family been able to uh, not be able to go on the trip, and so that's created some openings on the airline, the group tickets, two openings specifically. So if your passport is ready and you are ready to say yes to that, talk to me after the service. The cost is a little over 700 bucks between the airfare and the room and board, but we'd love for you to be able to go. Uh, it's over spring break, March, uh, 6, or March 26th through April 2nd, the spring break here in Eureka. So if you can say yes to that, if you're interested in that, let me know after the service. All right. When you look at the New Testament, there are some specific principles and ways in which the local church is to function and operate. The first big idea is that the church is ultimately led by Jesus. He's the chief shepherd of the church. He's the leader. We submit to and follow him. And then under his direction and authority, a group of elders are to serve. They are under shepherds who serve in humility before Jesus and one another. The New Testament calls elders, elders to shepherd and oversee the local church. Or as the New Testament calls it, the, the body of Christ or the flock or the family of God. When you think about what a shepherd does for sheep, it guards, it feeds, it leads, it directs, all the while caring for the sheep. 
And not only is, is, is a shepherd concerned with those inside the fence, but also those outside, those yet to be reached, the ones that have run away, the ones that are, are still lost. And so the shepherd has a heart for those within and a heart for those yet to know Jesus. Then the second function of the elder team is to shepherd and oversee or provide oversight to the church. And so they lead and manage the church. They equip God's people for the work of ministry according, according to Ephesians 4. They delegate, they raise up leaders, they help evaluate the health of the church and say, how can we make disciples more effectively? How can we raise up missionaries more effectively? How can we do the work of God that we see in the New Testament? How can we do that better for the glory of God? In the book of 1 Timothy and Titus, we are given qualifications for elders, and, and we're not going to look at those in detail today. But in general, you could say that the Lord is far more concerned about the character and the way of life of an elder than their earthly skill set or their ability. The human's way of life, or the, the man's way of life, must line up with those qualifications and not be hypocritical. They, they, their walk has to line up with the talk. And so they got to be a man of God at home and at work and within the church and everywhere in between. They've got to be a, a man of God where they're walking in the light and there's not this hypocritical sort of thing going on with those yet to know Jesus and those who do know Jesus. They, the Bible says they, they need to have a good reputation with outsiders. And so an elder is not someone who gains a title and then suddenly says, okay, now I'm going to do things differently. Now that I got the title of elder, I'm going to do things differently. But rather to appoint an elder is to recognize that they already are doing this as a way of life. They're loving God, they're loving people, they're making disciples, they're not waiting for a title to do those things. They're mature in their faith, they're able to pass on the truth of Scripture to others. They truly care for God's people. About seven years ago now, we appointed and prayed over our first elder team, and God has been so faithful over those years to raise up men who shepherd and oversee well for the glory of God who love Jesus, who love His church, love the mission of God to reach locally and reach globally. I'm so grateful to have served alongside various men through that time. And I can tell you from an insider perspective that no matter who was on the team over those course of seven years, you've had men who pray for you and who love you and who are committed to the Lord, committed to His work, not only in your life, but in this community and through this church in the New Testament, you see the practice of appointing elders. In Acts 14.23, you see Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in every church uh, in various cities in Asia Minor. You also see where the leaders would lay their hands on these men and appoint them and pray over them and send them out for what God has called them to do. In Scripture, you see the laying on of hands when it comes to uh, appointing or commissioning someone for a specific role or task. In Acts 6, you see that some men were set aside, some leaders were set aside to, um, uh, to, to basically take some things off the apostles' plate and to feed widows and, and, and do those kinds of um, side ministries. And so they were prayed over and they were commissioned for that role. In Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas, after fasting and praying, we see that the church set them aside for church planting, for missions work. And so they laid their hands on them and sent them out as missionaries. Now the elders don't sit on a pedestal or, or they haven't graduated from spiritual growth. Yes, they are to be mature in their faith. Yes, there is a, uh, an oversight and authority element to the role of an elder, but there's also an attitude of humble servant leadership, doing whatever is necessary in the body of Christ for the sake of the kingdom. 
taking the attitude of Christ that Philippians 2 talks about. Alexander Strauch, who wrote a great book on elders, said this, Elders and deacons are not appointed to a a special priestly office or holy clerical order. Instead, they are assuming offices of leadership or service among God's people. We should be careful not to sacralize these positions more than the writers of Scripture do. The New Testament never shrouds the installation of elders in mystery or sacred ritual. There's no holy rite to perform or special ceremony to observe. Appointment to eldership is not a holy sacrament, so it's not communion, it's not baptism. Appointment confers no special grace or empowerment, nor does one become a priest, cleric, or holy man at the moment of installation. So this morning, we have no incense burning, all right? We have no swords that we're breaking out and touching shoulders with, all right? We're simply praying over someone. We're commissioning them for the work that God has called them to do. To be appointed to the office of an elder implies that a man has met those biblical qualifications. They've been called by God. They've been affirmed by the family of God. And consequently, they've been publicly recognized as one who holds this, this, this role in the church. It means that God has called and gifted a man to humbly lead the church alongside others in a plurality of humble servant leadership. So about a month ago, we shared that we'd asked Brad Lehman to join our elder team for a 12-month term. Many of you know, but his family are, is preparing to go to the mission field here uh, in summer of 2017. So they're preparing now so they can leave in 2017. I've known Brad for many years, and I've always seen him as a man who walks the, walks the talk. Those two things line up. And so we ask him to pray and consider being a part of our elder team for these 12 months to help us shepherd and oversee God's church before his departure to the mission field. So if Brad and Erica, you guys want to come up, other elders, you guys want to come up, and we just want to pray over these guys. If you're a member of Crosspoint, you call Crosspoint your church home, uh, I'd ask you guys to come up as well. And we just want to, like, much like Landon and um, Noah, you can go ahead and walk up now. Like You can arise, um, um, and you can come up. And we want to pray over these guys and commission them, commission Brad as an elder. Lord God, we thank you for uh, the Lehmans and uh, just their family and our church. We thank you for the ministry that they've had. And Father, as Brad joins the elder team now, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would continue to do the work in his life that uh, you've done uh, in the past and you will do in the future, Lord, and we just uh, place him in your hands. We place this church in your hands, Lord. We pray that as an elder team, we would, you would give us uh, your guidance and wisdom as we lead and as we go forward. Father, we just thank you for your love and caring over us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to love and care for those of us in, in this congregation at uh, called Cross Point Home, Father. We just pray for uh, Brad and Erica as they continue to prepare for the mission field, Lord. We just pray that you would work in their lives in that area, in their children's lives. And Lord, most of all, we just pray that you would make them a home and individuals, Lord, who follow hard after you and that they see you as their, their ultimate goal in life, Father. And we just uh, thank you, Lord, for this family. We pray for Brad now as we commission him this morning. Father, we, we're grateful for the opportunity we have to serve you, um, to serve within your church. 
I thank you for um, Brad's willingness to say yes to this. Uh, Brad's willingness to say yes to you as a way of life, to love you wholeheartedly uh, with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength to love others and to go and make disciples. Thank you not only for his desire to do that on the mission field, but to, um, to do that here locally. And so as an elder team, we, we confess, we are, are confessing our dependence upon you, saying, Lord, we want to shepherd and oversee your church well for your glory. And so help us to do that. We need your Holy Spirit to do that, God. We thank you for the work that you have done, that you are doing here. And we pray that that would only continue for your glory, that your kingdom would advance. And we thank you um, for your goodness. We thank you that you are ultimately the chief shepherd. And so we follow you, we submit to you, and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians. Uh, Today we're skipping our regularly scheduled programming when it comes to our three-year journey through uh, the Scriptures. The story and text that we were going to look at today, it's not ultimately vital to the overall story, Genesis to Revelation. And so, um, but even more than that, I just felt impressed uh, by the Holy Spirit that we would um, hit pause here and look at um, prayer look at Ephesians and allow it to lead us uh, to prayer, to grow us in prayer. <clears throat> when we began this journey, we said that as the Spirit leads, we'll hit pause when we, when we need to. And I think this is one of those days where we need to. We'll pick up the story again in Joshua then, uh, in the book of Joshua next week. Two weeks ago, <clears throat> I spent uh, five days, five, six days in the mountains of Colorado. I was invited by a family member of ours who's a pastor to join him and some other uh, pastors, some other men of God, on a retreat in the mountains of Colorado. And besides a few structured uh, times with the group, while on the retreat, I was able to have a lot of solitude with the Lord, a lot of unhurried pace, if you will, in my life. And earlier this year, um, we were in Exodus looking at the Ten Commandments, one of those being the Sabbath. And so the subject of resting in the Lord came up and laying down our striving in a rhythm that is sustainable and life-giving. And on that Sunday, if you were here, I confess that I don't rest well, that I am prone to work and operate at a pace that is not sustainable, that is not healthy from my walk with the Lord. And that's not a badge of honor. That's actually something the Lord is trying to transform and shape me in and allow me to surrender in and trust Him in to a greater degree. And then enter five days in the mountains where my connectivity to electronic things was very limited all right, where you could walk, walk outside and you literally could hear the wind, like not a plane, not a car, maybe a bird, and the wind. That's all you could hear, all right? And here's one of the things the Lord impressed on my heart while away from that normal day-to-day grind. It was before anything else, I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, before pastor, before husband, uh, before father, before friend, I'm first a follower of Jesus. He reminded me of this life-giving relationship that I, I have with Jesus, that I have a relationship there to live out, not primarily, so my primary role is not a role to fill or a responsibility to get done, but it's a relationship to live out. It's easy to lose sight of that, is it not? 
And I don't care what role you have, what, what job you have, what your household is like, what your marital status is, anything like that. If you call yourself a Christ follower, it's easy to neglect your first love. This is not a pastor thing. This is a follower of Jesus tension that we walk in. It's easy to begin to do a lot for the Lord and neglect just being with the Lord, just communing, communing with the Lord. The Westminster Catechism, written in the 17th century, says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We talk about glorifying a God a lot, don't we? And we should. But what we don't talk about enough is enjoying Him forever. Enjoying Him forever. Even that, that phrase for some of us go, what does that mean? Because we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about it enough in in Christian world, let alone at Crosspoint. Do you know if you're a Christ follower, according to Zephaniah 3.17, that the Lord delights in you? He rejoices over you with singing. It says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer, he will no longer re- rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So as believers in Christ, we're saved into a relationship with the Lord that leads to rest. It's intended to lead to rest and delight and joy. A relationship that's cultivated and grown through prayer, through communication with the Lord, and in the hurried pace of our lives, in the constant connectivity that we have. Frankly, we neglect prayer. We're really focused on being connected to other things at the expense of the greater thing. We miss out on all this incredible privilege and opportunity we've been given as God's people to come to him, him in prayer. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because in Christ we can draw near to the throne of the King of Kings. We don't have to shrink in fear, but we can come with confidence because we're trusting in the grace and mercy that has been poured out through Jesus and the cross. And so the king of the universe, the one who is unlimited in all aspects, who is beyond compare, without equal, invites us to pray, to talk to him. As Psalm 5 says, to come to him in in the morning, to lay our requests before him and wait in expectation, to wait in anticipation. And so this morning I'm calling us to a deeper, more consistent, more life-giving prayer life. Not only, as his, not only as followers of Jesus, but as his church. And what I want to do is briefly look at two prayers recorded by the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. And then after looking at these verses, we're going to create space for us to pray with one another as the church or for you to uh, pray and be, be able to receive prayer from leaders. And then we'll finish with singing. You learn a lot from listening to others pray, Right? You hear their hearts, you hear the motivations of their hearts, you hear their requests before the Lord. Some of my most personal, vulnerable times in our marriage have been in prayer. Confessing, repenting, rejoicing, thanking, asking. If you're married and you call yourself Christ followers, if you're not praying out loud with one another, you're missing out on this incredible opportunity for intimacy this incredible opportunity for relationship building. You're neglecting it. You're skipping over the most important one. You want to focus on this. You're missing this 
And this is the foundation. I don't know if you pray out loud or not. Or not. I've talked to marriages that have been at it for 20, 30 years, and they don't. Do it today. Pray out loud with one another. Hold one another's hands and confess and repent and ask and rejoice. Be near with one another and be near with the Lord in communion before His throne of grace. Don't skip over that. So today we listen to the two prayers in the, uh, from the Apostle Paul. There's so much in here. Um, I have limited time, so we're going to pull out a couple of key things from these. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. In the first prayer, I want us to look at the word know. It shows up a couple times. And what Paul, what's he praying that we would know? That the people would know Jesus better. That they would know of the hope that we have in Christ. In verse 17, Paul's asking the Spirit to give the people wisdom and revelation. Paul's not praying for them to receive the Holy Spirit. They already have that in Christ. He's saying, I pray you have an attitude of wisdom and a long for the truth in your life. He's saying, I pray that the Spirit of God leads you to the truth about a greater understanding about who God is and that you wouldn't imagine that on your own or pick that up from just anywhere, but you would allow the truth of Scripture to guide you and lead you and be the foundation about who God is. God is. And that as the Spirit gives you wisdom and revelation through the Scriptures on who God is, the intent of that is what? It's to know Jesus better. That our relationship with Him might develop and mature and our view of God might be elevated as we draw closer to Him. Our faith can't strictly be about knowledge and information. It can't strictly be about knowledge and information and facts. It must lead to our hearts. It must lead to our way of life. For those in Christ, if you're, if you're, in, a relation, you're in a relationship with a perfect heavenly Father, a relationship that is cultivated and grown through prayer so that not only may you glorify Him, but so that you may enjoy Him forever. One motivation for prayer is simply to know our Father better. So if you and I were to sit down after the service and talk for an hour, whether we've known each other for years or that was our first time, either way, we would know one another better after that hour. The same is true in prayer. Because as we get to know Him better, we not only see Him as glorious and incredible and worthy and worshipped, but then that leads to three things talked about in verse 18. Knowing the hope to which He's called you, knowing the riches of His glorious inheritance, and knowing His incomparably great power for those who believe. In other words, so that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know who God is. And again, that that would be grounded, anchored in Scripture so that you know that you have a God who loves you, has chosen you, adopted you, redeemed you, sealed you with His Holy Spirit, leads you, directs you, and all of that is in the first part of Ephesians 1. So that you would know that ultimately, if you're in Christ, that you're headed to a home where there's no crying, no sadness, no pain. There's eternal joy, a glorious inheritance. 
an eternal hope that is true no matter the circumstances. Heaven will be this culmination of knowing our Father. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that, that now we know Him in part, but then when we are face to face, we will know Him in full. We'll be able to enjoy Him forever. Some of you here don't know this Father of Heaven. You, you only know or believe that there's a God. You, you believe there's a Creator, um, but you have yet to know Him in a personal relationship through Jesus Christ, know Him as Father. And so my prayer for you today would be that it would be, God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you as Father. God, I, I know that I've, I've been opposed to you and just not really been open to your ways, but Lord, I want to know you not only as God, but I want to know you as Father. As I reflect on these verses and I thought through them as your pastor, I think through our family, I think through our, our church family, people that call Crosspoint their church home. I think of all the people that are just on this absolute hamster wheel. Go, go, go. We've got to get there. We've got to go here. We've got to get that done. What's on the schedule? And, uh, well, let's, let's divide and conquer, and we've got to go, go, go. Okay? That's the season that you're in, and you're just worn out. You're worn out. Or some of you are suffering in difficult ways. Cancer, loss of a child, loss of an earthly father loss of a loved one, or some of you are on the edge of divorce. You're right on the brink of it if you don't mutually surrender and trust in Christ and humble yourselves. I pray that in this season, whatever season that you're in, that you would know Jesus better. That you wouldn't go, yeah, if we get through this, then we'll worry about that. No, the way you get through this is when you know Jesus better now, not later. Because otherwise, you're going to get through this on your own strength. How's that working out for you? It's not working out too well, is it? You get through this by knowing Jesus better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Because when, you, when we're in that season, we need to be reminded of God's hope, don't we? God's love, God's goodness as a father and God's power, incomparably great power. Because if we're in prayer, here's the deal. If all we're doing is talking to the sky, if all we're just you know, like throwing random words up into the sky, or if all we're doing is talking and to someone who we believe is incapable, unable, impotent, aging, unable, then why bother? Why, why are we praying then? This is where Paul ties it to a father, and he's going to tie it to the power of that father. Where do we see that power on display? We see it in Jesus that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So why pray? Well, it's because Jesus rose from the dead. Because he conquered death. He overcame the grave. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. 
Paul's so thorough in his description here to make sure that we see nothing is beyond our God. So even in the suffering, even in the loss, there's eternal hope and heavenly riches. Even in the struggle and the fight and the difficulty, there's power. And that power is not within us, but that power is found in Christ. Too often we forget this as believers. We give our flesh, we give our our enemy, we give the world, we give our past far too much credit and far too much power. And so when we pray, we are coming boldly before a throne, not before a weak, aging God who is limited, but a God who is far above all rule and authority in both this life and eternity. We see that same pattern here in chapter 3. Let's look at this prayer, start in verse 14 in chapter 3 of Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Kneeling, this was Paul's posture in prayer. When we kneel, we are showing this attitude of worship, this attitude of humility, this attitude of surrender. When's last time we were on our knees in prayer? I'm not trying to give you a legalistic rule to follow, but that attitude... I mean, seriously, in our marriage, I remember one specific time in our bedroom, and I was, don't look at me, um, <laughs> I was, we were on our knees, and I was confessing, and I was asking, and we were, we were thanking, and we were praying. I still remember it. This was years ago. So let's go back to marriage for a second. When's the last time you're on your knees holding hands and praying out loud with one another? Who cares when the last time was? Do it today. Do it today. Not tomorrow, not Tuesday. Do it today. And then do it tomorrow. If you miss a day, it's fine. Do it the next day. On your knees, confessing, asking, God, work in us. Transform us. Change me. Don't worry about changing her. Change me. He's kneeling before the Father. You've got a Father who longs to hear from you. Again, you see him tied to not just praying to God, but praying to a father, kneeling before a father, a father who, is, who loves you, who's near to you, who longs to be with you, a father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So in this prayer, the word power shows up. Know was the first one. Power is this one. Power through His Spirit. Power to grasp the incredible love of Christ and love that we are to be rooted and established in. As you spend time in the Lord in prayer, you become rooted in Jesus. He's our secure foundation that our life is built on, the root system we receive life through. Being rooted or anchored in Jesus means that we understand who He is, what He's done, and our position, our identity as a son or daughter of the King. Being established means that your life is built on truth. That you're not building it on the sand, but you're building it on the firm foundation, on the, on the rock that is Christ. So there, when you walk through the storms of life, it's going to withstand. It may shake, but it will not crumble. 
And that foundation is built on the love of Christ. As one commentary said, we don't know anything about Christianity until we know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And if our hearts are rooted in the love of Christ inwardly, then outwardly, above the ground, love's going to show. Love's going to show up outwardly through our way of life. Jesus first loved us so that we might go love. Uh, Jesus first forgave us so that we might go and forgive. This is how it works. The more we grasp the love of Jesus, the more that will transform how we live and how we relate to one another and how we relate to those who don't know Jesus yet. And he prays that we might be rooted and established by ourselves in isolation, on an island, in a closet. Good luck with that. Does he say that? No, of course he doesn't say that. He says that we are rooted and established. What's the next word? What's the next word? I don't know. It is on my... Together. Together with the Lord's people. Together in the family of God. When I was in Colorado, um, aspen trees are all over the place. I knew nothing about aspen trees before I go out there, and then I learn about these things when I go. But aspen trees, they grow in large bunches, and they usually come from one, um, one seedling. And so this root system is magnificent underneath the ground. It's magnificent above the ground too. But from one seedling, you can have a tree pop up well over 100 feet from this one seedling. But it's all interconnected. It finds its strength underground, interconnected with one another. That sounds like an illustration of what we're talking about here, does it not? Together with the family of God, all connected back to one seedling, one glorious, heavenly, all-powerful Father that we are seeking to know better. So we don't just pray as individuals, but alongside other believers, alongside our, our spiritual family. God has designed and called us not to live in isolation, but with others alongside, connected, growing, following. And God gives us His grace, strength, and power through those relationships. And so we pray that we might know Him better. And we pray together that we might have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now that sounds a bit silly to me. How in the world are you supposed to know something that you can't know? It's surpassing knowledge. But this is not just about loving God with just our minds. It's also about loving Him with our heart, soul, and strength. To know the love that surpasses knowledge, we learn these things in relationship. Strictly knowing about God versus being with God are two vastly different things. So sometimes people will walk through suffering and, and people will say, well, how, how can you be so, how can you still have hope? I mean, this is devastating. It's a love that surpasses knowledge. I can't put it into words. I can just put it into this experience that I'm walking out. It's John 9 where, where the Pharisees confront the, the blind man. Who did this? And what's going on? And all I know is I was blind and now I can see. It's a love that surpasses knowledge. And then Paul finishes again, similar to how he did in chapter 1, exalting God, reminding us of his greatness, his power. This is why we pray. This is a father we have an identity with, a father who is beyond compare. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Because we need this reminder. We need this reminder in prayer. We need to know that prayer matters. 
The prayer changes things. And that's not just something put on our wall, all right? Prayer changes things, and we walk by that, and it doesn't really change us. But prayer changes things. Primarily, prayer's intent is to change you. It's to change me. It's to transform my heart. Yeah, we lay these things before the Lord, but primarily we lay ourselves before the Lord in prayer. So as we close, we're going to create space for, uh, for prayer, to pray as individuals, for you to receive prayer from leaders, for you to pray with the people around you out loud as the body of Christ, and then we're going to close in singing. So we'll play some music in the background, if you want to do that in the back. But allow these prayers in Ephesians to lead you in prayer. Um, if you're in this room and you're an elder, community group leader, a leader around the church, leader of a ministry, leader of people, we'd encourage you to kind of hop up and either go to, off to a side or maybe to the front. And if you need prayer, if you're asking for somebody to pray for you, pray over you, then go see one of those leaders. If you want to just pray out loud, hey, I, you, want, you guys want to pray, and you do that in your seats, or you simply just want to pray by yourselves, by yourself in your seat, and, and allow Ephesians 3 or open up the Word and allow Ephesians 1 to lead you in prayer, then do that. And then we'll close in singing. It's good to hear your people pray. It's good to be together with the body of Christ praying. And God, I pray that you would continue to... um, Uh, minister and draw our hearts close to you even as we stand and sing, God. Father, we want to know you better. Not in some experience that's disconnected to the Word, but we want to know you better as Father. Thank you that we have this identity in Christ that is there despite the circumstances. Thank you that in Christ we we are a son or a daughter of the King. So remind us, not only in this moment, but this week, that that out of that identity, we can come boldly before Your throne, knowing that we, we will be met with grace and mercy. Teach us as a church to come to You in the morning, to lay our requests before You, to wait in expectation for how You want to work and how You want to move. Lord, as a church, we want to know You better, and we want to know Your power better. We want to be able to know the power of your love, a love that is unable to be defined and unable to be contained. We want to grasp a love that surpasses knowledge. Lord, there are a variety of things going on in our lives and in our churches. And so, Father, despite the circumstances, we know your Holy Spirit knows. And so uh, we want to ask that we would know you better. We want to ask that we would that you would give us a knowledge of it, of your glorious inheritance, a hope that is there despite circumstances. Spur us on as a church and as followers of you in prayer, Lord. We love you. Help us to worship you well now as we stand and sing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's, Let's stand, stand up and, and sing, sing about, about our, our Savior. Savior. breaks the power of sin and darkness. 
that be so in our lives. If you need prayer, if you want to pray with someone, 
uh, feel free to catch a leader after the service, all right? God's not done working just because I dismiss. God's at work 24-7. Man camp. If you are a man and you have yet to sign up for man camp, there's still an opportunity to do that today. Van Friedrich is back there um, by the camera, and he can answer all your questions about man camp. It's a great opportunity as a man to grow your relationship with the Lord, with other guys, not just from Crosspoint, but other guys. Have a great weekend away, early April. So you can sign up for that, ask questions to Van, meet somebody new, pray for somebody before you leave. All right? God bless. Have a good week.